Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Trust me, it'll be worth your while and ours in the long run. This special Q&A edition of Telehell is also sponsored by RetroCirc on YouTube, Dave's Archives on YouTube, and by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash telehellpodcast, including Peter Melnick and Neil Weinstein. Thank you. Everybody and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our third installment of Ask Telehell, the show that airs in between seasons of the show that gives you out there, our adoring fans, a chance to ask us any questions that you may have in mind when it comes to either our show, television in general, or if you just want to shoot the breeze for a little bit, and there's nothing wrong with that. And we do that by collecting questions through our social feeds, both Twitter and Facebook, at Telehell Podcast, and we do thank those who have contributed to the show this year. And we want to begin, first of all, with a couple ground rules, biggest of which, of course, whenever we do this show, it's out of character. So no devil stuff, no fire stuff, none of that stuff. Although I do like the reverb because, quite honestly, it's the audio equivalent of a hug to me. So that's besides the point. Uh, so, yes, anything that I answer, it's my own thoughts and my own thoughts only, and... There really isn't a lot to uh, say about that other than, you know, just uh, <laughs> sit back and relax and enjoy. There is uh, one other thing that we wanted to mention, uh, and it regards our Patreon, which we have had now going on for about two months now. And we did say initially that we were going to include uh, special shows like this as Patreon exclusives. However, it's still a little early in the whole proceedings and everything. And it's also the summer, which is when nothing really happens. So for this one time and one time only, this show is actually being simulcast to our Patreon page and is also being heard by our free audience. So this is just a reminder that, yes, we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. We've actually picked up a couple of subscribers in the past few months. It's a good start, and we only hope that this start will help us make the show better and better and better. So once again, patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. Attention, people of Earth. This is me from the future. I repeat, me from the future. In fact, it's about two weeks into the future because we recorded this on August 2nd, 2021, and because I was a bad proofreader, we didn't exactly catch these mistakes that we made during the show. You'll hear me at least three times during this program. The first mistake that we made is that we neglected to remind people that we've actually updated our Patreon. Only one particular update in mind, but still a very important update nonetheless. 
That update happens when you sign up at level 4, aka Mystery Media of the Damned. Previously, we said that anybody who signs up for this will get their media every three months or quarterly on a calendar. We decided to change that because, quite honestly, it's still a little too early in the proceedings to actually make that claim. So, instead of offering things quarterly, we are now going to offer things on a monthly basis. That means every month that you're a paid subscriber on our Patreon, patreon.com slash telehellpodcast, you will get your Mystery Media of the Damned monthly. That's right, monthly. We should also mention that anybody who does sign for this will get a survey asking what kind of media that they want. All of our international rules will still apply. Anybody who happens to sign with us overseas is going to get digital equivalents because, quite honestly, we need to save on postage. Once again, our level 4 Patreon level is going to be a monthly payout instead of quarterly. We now return you to me rambling. And now for something new that we're adding to the proceedings this year. If you have been following us on our Twitter and Facebook page, both at Telehell Podcast, we have made a rather uh, sizable claim this year that anybody who asks us a question, up to 10 participants, will get free stuff. That is no lie. We are going to send anybody whose question that we ask on our show some free stuff, and that includes things like a bunch of DVDs that we have lying around, a bunch of CDs, maybe a book or two. I know I came across a vintage board game that I tried to eBay a couple weeks ago, and I may as well send that to some other guys. So uh, just this is just a reminder because if and when we do this again next year, we will send you stuff if we use your question. And even though we are kind of based in hell, we do tend to keep our promises. So the next time you have any questions to ask us, and it's during the question-asking time. Any other time of the year is going to be just, I guess, exhibition play, just so that we have a question or something. The next time we do a Ask Telehell episode and we call for questions, if we use them in the show, we will send you some stuff. Random stuff, yes, but we're still going to send you some stuff. So just so so you know off the top of your head, top of my head, I really gotta get my stuttering under control, but that's besides the point. I'm just killing some time here because these shows usually tend to be short. With that in mind, it's time to ask our first question. Ooh, I like the segues. Uh, Our first question comes to us, and uh, all these questions, by the way, are Twitter questions. Uh, We unfortunately did not get any Facebook questions this year, but... You know, you gotta roll with the punches as much as you can. And our first question this year comes to us from Cameron Archer, a.k.a. at Glorioski. And I hope I'm pronouncing any of these names correctly. And if I don't, then just let me know. It's the only way I'm going to learn. So uh, Cameron Archer asks our first question, and he says... Dear Telehell, what's on your personal list of inexplicable show cancellations? I.e. shows that despite having no obvious red flags in terms of quality, popularity, ratings, performance, etc., end due to outside factors and or executives being petty. Well, I can think of a number of shows that fall under this category, and a very long time ago there used to be this uh, TV network called Trio, And they would have this uh, periodic show called Brilliant But Cancelled, where they would literally show TV shows that were critically acclaimed and 
even got a lot of viewers, but somehow they wound up getting canceled. And sometimes those shows receive a lot of fervent responses from a lot of people, and on rare occasions, those shows actually do wind up coming back because, as cliche as it may sound, it's by popular demand, because you asked for it. And I can only think of a few off the top of my head. I'm sure there's like several dozen out there throughout all of TV and history. But just going by my own uh, personal recollections, I can think of a few that were good and did pull in a lot of ratings, but for whatever reason, it just got canceled because either like a changing of the guard at the network or it was too expensive or something like that. And the best examples I can think of, uh, and we use this uh, joke far too frequently for, for my taste anyway, but any show that the Fox network aired in the late 90s to the early 2000s, there's a lot of great shows out there that were canceled by Fox, but not because of the ratings. Sometimes it's because of internal factors. And a couple examples I can think of, and I know what you're thinking, is Firefly one of them? No, because even though it did have critical acclaim, it still wound up getting canceled because of ratings. So to me, that does not count, even though I do know that, especially the Joss Whedon fans out there, they will still defend that show to the hilt to this day. But that's not what exactly we're going for here. I'm thinking more along the lines of shows like Dark Angel, which I loved watching when I was a teen. I mean, you know, Jessica Alba in a cat suit. Who wouldn't watch that? But the show only lasted two years, and the reason why it only lasted two years was because it became too expensive to put on, even though the show was still very much critically acclaimed. And for a Fox show, even when they moved it, I think, to Friday nights for some period, it still pulled in a pretty good crowd. But it wound up getting canceled because the budget was too high. So. If it weren't for that, if they were just given a blank check, I could see Dark Angel going for maybe like four or five more years. And technically I think they did. I, I know they did like a graphic novel version of it, but obviously that doesn't count either. So there's that. Um, another show, and, and this is a bit of a guilty pleasure for me because this it aired around the same time as Dark Angel, but <clears throat> there was this uh, show that was supposed to be like the 21st century version of Miami Vice, you know, fast cars and everything and all that stuff. And let it be known, I'm not a fan of the Fast and Furious movies by any means, but I did enjoy a show called Fast Lane. Now, Fast Lane, same story. It had a lot going for it, and it was, I mean, it might, I might have been like TV junk food to some critics, but it still pulled in a very respectable number for a Fox show. They canceled it anyway because of not just the budget, but I think they were also changing the guard at the network at the time, and as is the case when most TV networks change their heads, they wind up undoing the damage that the other, or the previous network president did. And if you do not believe me, look to the story of Fred Silverman, because he did exactly that when he joined NBC. He took pretty much the entire work of his predecessor, canceled it, 
and put on his own shows, and we all know how that turned out. Uh, other examples, I don't know off the top of my head, and I would probably need to do a little bit of uh, research on that, because there are some subjects that are good future subjects for our show, but those are the only two that I can really think of off the top of my head. It's basically just internetwork politics that killed the show, even though the shows themselves have a pretty strong fan base, and probably maybe to this day still do, I don't know, because you try keeping track of a lot of TV shows these days. It's almost impossible to do, but... This is me from the future again, and as I was recording this, some other show wound up popping into my head, and I think it's probably one of the more obvious ones that I probably should have mentioned, which also happens to be a Fox show. That, well, actually, technically, it was an ABC show first, then it moved to Fox, and then it was supposed to move someplace else, but then other interferences wound up getting in the way. That show was The Critic with John Lovitz. You all know what this show is. It was pretty much done by part of the team of The Simpsons and James L. Brooks. And it wound up getting canned because of network interference. And also because of the same problems that other shows have gone through. The fact that a new network president came in and wiped the slate clean even though the show itself was still very much popular. A story that you can hear in either Mike Reese's recent biography, whose name I'm blanking on right now, or if you happen to have the Critic box set DVD, you can hear pretty much how the show wound up collapsing in on itself due to said network interference. We now return you to more of me. Uh, thank you for your question there, Cameron, and we're going to send you some stuff, and we are going to move on now to question number two, which comes to us from a new friend of ours, and his name is simply Mr. Cheeseball at I Am Mr. Cheeseball, and he writes in and says, Dear Telehel, what was the hardest episode to find or do research on? Well, we've, uh, so far as of this recording, had 48 episodes, and we do hope to do the uh, same amount that we did last year, this year, which I think was about 26 or 27 of them, and also have little breaks in between. Um, the hardest one to actually do research on, and also to find, because I think this is the first time that we ever did this, and... As a rule, we try not to do entire seasons of a TV show unless it's, like, absolutely key and essential to television history. And recently we did an episode about the uh, so-called dream season of the TV show Dallas. And I am kind of a guy that doesn't really get into soaps or dramas or anything like that, but God damn it, I, I love and miss Larry Hagman. I, he is probably one of the best people ever to play a villain in any TV show. And he was probably a nice person when the cameras stopped rolling, sure, but... Man, I could watch hours and hours of J.R. Ewing giving people the business all day. And while researching this episode, I pretty much became a very far late in life uh, fan of Dallas. And, spoiler alert, we are going to do another episode involving Dallas uh, this coming season. If you heard our Pledge Drive of the Dam, you probably know which episode it's going to be. And we reiterate that the reason why we uh, did Dallas, because, you know, this is telehell, we're supposed to talk about bad shows, but 
This particular season, the dream season, was always like this mythological entity to me because the show's been on, I think, nine years by that point. And suddenly because of certain outside factors, it's like they're sandboxing, basically. They're, they're, they're pretty much high in the sky with whatever it is that they come up with, but it's so incoherent and so incomprehensible that you have to wonder whether or not this should have happened or not. Now, to answer your question, this was the hardest show to do research on because, like we normally do, we only cover one particular episode of TV at a time. This was an entire season, one that happened to have 32 episodes, and trying to find clips for all the episodes seemed almost gargantuan of a task. Almost gargantuan, because there were enough out there to help fill the gaps, but then, you know, just trying to make sense of the plot, trying to keep track of everybody, and it's just... The only reason why I did that episode was because as the episode was dropping, it was 35 years since the whole Bobby in the shower incident wound up happening. And, you know, I, I try to make things as timely as I possibly can with certain episodes because, you know, you got to make things trend somehow, even though this is about 35 years old now. So uh, as a rule, this is why I normally do just single episodes of TV shows, because doing full seasons of shows, I've come to realize, is the hardest to do research on, even though it's pretty much like a rip and read from Wikipedia, and it just felt really lazy to me, and in retrospect, I think it was just kind of like a bottle episode, so to speak, and anybody who knows TV terminology should know what that is, uh, but it was just like, just a lot of torture and toil, and I hope never to cover a season of TV again unless the situation calls for it. Now, that's the hardest to do research on. The hardest one to find was the episode that came right before that one when we uh, did the Gilda Radner TV movie, because this was something that aired on TV only once, and very few people knew that it existed. And I really wanted to tell people about it because the one time I saw it, it just stunned me just how many things they wound up getting wrong. But unfortunately, it wasn't available commercially. Uh, I'm an active uh, tape trader and DVD trader, so I tried like finding it through other means. Couldn't find it through trade circles. So the only thing that I could do, and I only do this as a last resort, I find it on eBay in any screener copy. And for about 25 bucks that I wish I could use towards actually funding the show, I bite the bullet, buy a copy, send it over to the guys from That Week in SNL, and that's pretty much how. Anytime something involves outside sources, those are the episodes that are usually the hardest to find, and that's the stuff that we're trying to raise money for at our Patreon, patreon.com slash telehealthpodcast. Gotta bring it right round again. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. Just, I want to keep things short and sweet, and I know that I've been doing episodes that kind of run a little inhumanly long, so hopefully by next year, again, except in some cases, we will be able to be right to the point. Um, like what I'm doing right now. This is just rambling and answering your question, but I hope I did 
answer your question, and we will send you some stuff, Mr. Cheeseball. And we are going to move on now to our third question, which comes to us, sure enough, from our very good friends, That Week in SNL, at That Week in SNL. And uh, they actually had a pretty interesting question, and I'll try my best to answer this one, but they ask, is broadcast television as we once knew it a dying breed? And that is a somewhat loaded question because the short answer I can tell you is that technology will always evolve over time. I mean, we started with three TV networks, four if you count the old Dumont network, which then became a bunch of independent TV stations, but that's another story. We started with three, then cable came along, then premium cable, and then satellite dishes, and streaming. Over time, things do evolve. So with that in mind, television is not going to be dying anytime soon, but broadcast television, like, I guess you could say the standard turn the TV on and flip the channels kind of broadcast television. I don't think it's actually dying per se, but I think it's really more part of the evolutionary process because there's a lot of things out there that allow you to watch local TV on the internet. I know CBS has one. It's uh, Pluto TV, I believe. You can watch all the local CBS news affiliates. There's like 11 local affiliates there. I happen to like the New York affiliate very much. Uh, Peacock, I know, uh, airs NBC programming. They don't have a component for local TV just yet, but it would not surprise me if they wound up adding something like that to Peacock in the future. I know uh, Hulu, they're tight with ABC and Fox. You can watch local TV on there. Uh, And I'm sure, like, the CW and other smaller entities have their own version of things. And, you know, there's always Sling TV and Roku and all that stuff. So to answer your question, I don't think broadcast television as we know it is a dying breed. I just know that the way that we've been traditionally watching TV is changing. And change can be a good thing. Change can be scary for some people, but as Carol Burnett once said on her final variety show, change is growth. And really, with the advent of so many different technological breakthroughs happening out there, I think broadcast television is going to stay, at least for a little while. But as long as there's a place to evolve to, that's how it's going to wind up staying around. I mean, Truth be told, I still watch TV with a digital antenna. I mean, if if what you mean is like, is that kind of TV going to be dying? It really depends on what they do with the signals. Because I keep hearing stories about how people are using like AM radio signals to give back to say police to use as uh, bandwidth for their scanners, which is true. And uh, you know, other people are using old frequencies for other utility purposes. So there may come a time in which that winds up happening, but you know, you can't just unplug NBC because it's a monolith. It's a big company. You know, they'll find a way to continue somehow, just not the way that we're accustomed to, but they will continue. Just as CBS will continue, just as ABC will continue, just as Fox will continue. It may not be the way that we grew up 
watching it, but they will continue. Because, uh, 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 life, uh, finds a way. And that's my bad Jeff Goldblum impression, so, um, hopefully that answers that. Uh, yeah, broadcast television, it's gonna be around, it just needs to be able to adapt. That's the long and the short of it there, so thank you very much for that. We're gonna send you some stuff. And we do have time for one more question, partly because there is only one more question, and this one comes to us from Rick at Rick in Baltimore on Twitter. All these come from Twitter, by the way. And he asks us, Dear Telehel, what was the best one-and-done show that is canceled after one episode that should have had a longer run? Very interesting question, and part of the reason why that's interesting is because there are some shows that have aired, and we talk about this subject a lot, you know, like burnt-off summer pilots that that air and some people think should have been given a chance. And there's also a lot of uh, unaired pilots that unfortunately, uh, you know, <laughs> they stay shelved for a reason. And we've covered a couple of those in the past, you know, shows like uh, Where's Rodney and Puchinski and a bunch of others that we hope to do in the future. But, you know, the reasons why we cover those shows is because in our opinion, they just were not that good. There are some shows out there, though, that are the exception to the rule, and one of those shows was actually uh, recommended to me by uh, another one of our Twitter followers. His name is at uh, BillBrasky2620, and it is a show called Look Well. And some of you may know what this show is. It starred Adam West as, I guess, the star of his own crime show, not unlike the other crime shows that he used to be a part of. He also winds up taking that position a little too seriously because then he tries to fight crime in real life. And the great thing about Lookwell is that there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of talent behind it aside from Adam West, and that would include uh, the likes of Conan O'Brien and Robert Smigel, who wrote this episode. And I believe it was uh, 1991, and NBC almost picked it up. But I think this may actually fall into the other question that uh, that Cameron asked earlier. Uh, you know, a show that definitely should have continued despite network politics. And this was one of those cases because I believe, as the story goes, uh, this was a favorite episode. In fact, it was a personal favorite of uh, former NBC head Brandon Tartikoff. But by 1991, he had left the company and... Again, a new regime winds up taking over, and they wind up passing on Lookwell. Which, now that I'm saying this out loud, it would not surprise me if Seinfeld wound up stealing this story for their, uh, for their, uh, season five, I think? Their 1993 story arc in which Jerry and George try to make a pilot at NBC. A lot of people loved it. The one guy who greenlit it loved it, but then he disappears, and then the next regime comes over, they take it away. So, that is the case with many things. You know, that is the case in TV culture, I guess. You know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, but screw what the old boss thinks. So, Lookwell's a good example. Um, I'm trying to think of another one because there's just so many goddamn TV shows to take a look at. Not just for my own amusement, but just also for the show. And I wish I had a more concrete answer aside from Look Well. But there is, uh, there's actually two YouTube videos out there that 
I guess you could say is a sort of a all-you-can-eat buffet of TV pilots that never aired. There were two hour-long shows, one that aired on CBS and one that aired on ABC. Both of them were shows about on-air TV pilots. So I guess uh, the only fair thing I can say just to cleanse the palate a little bit is look for these shows wherever you can on YouTube. As a matter of fact, uh, I can give you the names of them right now. The uh, name of the uh, CBS show is The Greatest Shows You Never Saw, and it starred Faith Ford from Murphy Brown. She, she hosts everything, introduces the segments. And then the one on ABC, which I think aired sometime in the early to mid-2000s, was called The Best TV Shows You've Never Seen and Some You Have. Hi there, me from the future again, and this is just a reminder that we screwed up the title of that one particular show that aired on ABC. The actual name of the show is called The Best TV Shows That Never Were. Let me repeat that, The Best TV Shows That Never Were. I know this seems kind of like a petty mistake to fix, but there are some people out there who happen to look for the exact titles of things. So, once again, the best TV shows that never were. And both that and the greatest shows you never saw are both on YouTube. And now, let's put an end to this pathetic hoedown. There is no host per se, but there is a narrator introducing everything. And uh, any of those shows, I I've seen like maybe like a quarter of some of the shows that they bring up. And while some of them are definitely potential future candidates for telehell, there are some shows there that I think were as cliche as it may sound ahead of their time. And I think they deserve better. And there's just quite a lot of them to list. And the best thing I can tell you is just look these two programs up on YouTube. Once again, the greatest shows you never saw and the best TV shows you've never seen and some you have. First show is a CBS show. Second show is an ABC show. One is hosted by that other blonde from Murphy Brown. The other one is hosted by nobody, technically. So I know that seems like a bit of a blanket answer, but considering the time permitting and also, uh, you know, just space-saving issues. I hope this uh, at least leads you on the right path, because there are plenty of good shows in both of those compilations that I feel deserved another chance, that I feel deserved to go to series, and then there are going to be some shows, and spoiler alert, there's going to be at least two shows from these compilations that we are going to be taking a look at next season. Say what they are yet, uh, but I guarantee you, they are around, and they will be found. They will be sought. They will be destroyed, because that's what we do. Uh, anyway, um, thank you everybody who asked a question, and hopefully we can get a couple more questions uh, somewhere down the line for next year's Ask Telehell. I do want to remind everybody that we are going to be returning with new episodes on October 3rd, 2021. As a matter of fact, uh, as this episode is dropping, we're already producing the first episode of 2021. And also, we're starting to put together our crop of shows for premium content of the damned, which, once again, you can exclusively hear 
on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. I am going to say that again because I am a whore. Patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. So thank you very much uh, for your questions. We're going to send you some nice stuff very soon. And if you ever want to take part in another Ask Telehell ever again, we will do the same for you. We got plenty of stuff laying around, many of which is part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. And on that note, uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. I've got a lot of writing to do. We've got, I guess... uh, yeah, this is this is why we take off for the summer, just so that I can get the writing ahead of time. And so far, we've got about five full-length episodes written, one fully produced, and five mini-sodes that are written, ready to be recorded. And hopefully by the time we get to October, I will have all my marbles rattling around in my head, and we are going to bring you... The best damn podcast I feel there is to hear out there. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much again for your questions. And just thank you. Just for being you. We'll see you next time. And again, thank you. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. Now that everybody is getting mysterious chemicals injected into their arms, that can only mean one thing. It's almost safe to socialize with people again. So why not get a head start on that and follow us on our social feeds? Twitter and Facebook, both at Telehell Podcast. By the way, shows like these aren't cheap. Do what you can and can what you do at patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. Podcast.